0: Hi everyone, my name is Icy Liu. Welcome to Ungrafted, a podcast about wine, humanity, and the planet. If you enjoy these episodes, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Also, please help us get the word out by telling your friends and family. In the 1960s, Négociant, researcher, and father of natural winemaking, Jules Chauvet and Paul Brechot, used the microscope to monitor alcoholic fermentation in order to make wine more naturally and reduce the use of sulfur dioxide during vinification. They passed on this knowledge to René Boisson, who is the microbiologist of a group of Beaujolais winemakers called the Gang of Four. Today I interview grower Mathieu Lapierre from Domaine Marcel Lapierre about the continued use of microscopes to monitor yeasts, bacteria, and other microorganisms during vinification. He also discusses the different methods he uses when issues arise. So thank you, Mathieu, for being with us today. I really appreciate your time. Could we start by you introducing yourself and your family domain?
1: Of course, thank to you. So we are in villiers Morgan, my sister Camille and I, Mathieu, continuing the work of what our father and mother and grandparents did before us, the domain Terre. We own 18 hectares that we cultivate by the organic way. And also, we do some really traditional vinification. People call it natural. And for that, we have developed a few skills, a few methods, a few ways to try to master the subject because it's not that easy. And yeah, the first thing I was speaking of being organic in the vines is the fruit. If you want to make wine, you need grapes. And you need healthy grapes. LC mean by their chemical composition, but also with all the microorganisms who live on. You know that little skin of wax, a little bit white, that you find on the berries? This is the place exactly where the microorganisms live. Mm -hmm. And this is them who are supposed to make the wine and transform the sugar Mm -hmm. sugar into alcohol by the fermentation. So the one that we prefer are the yeast, but there is many kind and family in the yeast. And there is also bacteria who live on that. We call it prune, P-R-U-I-N-E in French. I don't know the translation in English for that. Wax, skin.
0: It's called bloom in, in English.
1: Bloom, thank you. So on that bloom, all the necessary elements for the microorganisms to live out there And it's like the human skin, like if the fruits were developing something attractive to make all those microorganisms around the berry to finally protect the berry. And then, because the vine, I was saying, don't want to make wine, but to make the fruit able to make a plant. So to decompose the elements the seed, will need it to absorb the energy and uh, train to make a new plant. But the human and the winemaker get that before, and we cut it. So by doing that, we stop the volunteer of the vine to get into winemaking.
0: Okay. So I was thinking we could talk a little bit about the concept of using a microscope in during monitoring your alcoholic fermentation with a microscope. I first learned of this through Sebastian Congratel and Michel and David at Domaine-Chapelle. And they had said, it's your father and some other people in Beaujolais who started it. So could you give us a history of who came up with the idea and subsequently the people who started using this method?
1: First, the idea came from the associates into research of Mr. Jules Chauvet, who was one famous negotiator in Beaujolais, we can say the father of okay. natural winemaking. To study and know by a better way the fermentation they were doing, you have to imagine that the classic microscope in those times was not efficient as the one we have today, and more expensive. So it was some precious tools to use, and uh, not everybody was able to use them that easily. Mr. Brechot, because Chauvet was not doing research alone and trained and teach a woman named Renée Boisson which was working from the research lab of uh, the interprofession of Beaujolais. Cicarex, the name of the lab. Mrs. René Boisson, which was my teacher directly. So I am from that lane, finally, of uh, research. And that's her, who was the eyes of Microscope for a group of winemakers by father who was part of them called the Gang of Four, with Jean Foyard also, with Jean-Paul Thévenet, with Guy Breton. I saw a lot of meeting at home at the winery with those winemakers coming with their samples to check and talking together about the problem they had, the solution they tried, which is working or not. And I can say that group was like a think tank, really efficient to help everybody to improve the way to vinificate like they wanted to. I mean, without adding nothing from uh, analogic products, you can buy all the medicine. Starting on the point that the grapes contain everything it needs to be fermented.
0: Around what year was this?
1: I think that the microscope was starting in 90, early nineteen and by group like that. I was saying
0: nineteen eighties. Okay. When Rene taught you, does it take a long time to learn how to observe what's under the microscope?
1: Yeah, it took me a few years because we have only one vinification per year. It takes that time and you have to train your eyes to recognize the morphology of different microorganisms. East is really much bigger than the bacteria, so bacteria are harder to see. Now we have some microscope with a camera that we can plug on the computer, which makes it make really easier. We can take pictures after. If you want, I can send you some picture of the vintage for you to make an example of what we can see or not. And the really most difficult thing is to see the bacteria.
0: Okay. Before we get into the specifics I was wondering if you could give us a broad overview of how you make wine and how alcoholic fermentation works?
1: Yeah, of course. So the alcoholic fermentation is the activity of the Saccharomyces cerevisiae yeast, which is the one that the winemaker prefers because she's aromatic and alcoholic production one. That yeast eats sugar and transforms it into alcohol. So what we want to do as winemaker is letting the yeast move that sugar into alcohol. But there is also other microorganisms who can attack the sugar to make it some other things, like some bacteria. The acetic bacteria will make acetic acid, which is the base of vinegar. So the sugar can be turned in different elements. Our role as winemaker is to be sure that the one that we want to ferment, do the job.
0: And there are also other yeasts, right, such as Bruxelles,
1: Bruxellesis, as his name said, was discovered close to Bruxelles in Belgium, firstly, and identified there. Because we find there on the little the little river close to the city, some river which are used to brew the beer. So that's why in the brew wing fermentation of beer, you can find that kind of brettanumises. That kind of yeast, which is really nice for Belgian beer, unfortunately, gives some really bad aromas to the wine when she fermented grape juice. And there is also some other yeast as bad, we can say, for winemaking than bretanomyces, depending on the way the grapes, the area.
0: Such as what?
1: such as the Clochiara apiculata, for example. They do a smell, which is easy to recognize. It is the same that the products that you use to put away, you know, the...
0: Nail polish. Yeah,
1: exactly. So that molecule is produced by that yeast, and it don't really fit with wine aromas, which are supposed to be fruity, thin, and not chemical like that. There is also some yeast who decompose the acid, so they desacidify naturally the wine, which can be a good thing in some cases and bad in some other cases when you want to keep your acidity high. So there is many family of yeasts, but not all of them can survive into alcohol. So the family of yeast that you can find into alcohol is really smaller than all the kind of yeasts you can find on the planet.
0: Can you run us through the process of how you make wine?
1: The way we use is named carbonic maceration. It's particular of Beaujolais. And we cut up and leave the grapes. We keep them all bunches, the stem and the berry together. And we fill some cylindric vats with a few tons, three, four, five tons, depending on the vat of grapes. On that vat, a little bit of juice appear at the bottom by the pressure of course, and that juice start to ferment with what we call indigenous yeast, in mean the yeast will come from the plots and the soil. And all the part upper is full of grapes, but which are not fermenting at all. They stay like fruits you can have on the plane, you know, they are on the plastic blister with some gas on. They don't ferment. The gas protects against the dangerous bacteria who can decompose and attack the fruits quickly. And that fruit, finally, mummified, like when a butcher keeps some meat to make it softer during a few days, week. The enzymes attack the cell of the fruits, making the color move from the skin to inside the berry, which is white at the beginning, then pink, red, purple, and more extracted. And also the acidity, of the fruit, some acid elements, will be moved into other elements, ether, which are aromatic bases, by that enzymatic decomposition. So 95% of the tank is not fermenting. The fruits are just mummified as long as needed to extract what they can give. It can be a few days, a few weeks, depending on the fruits, hardness or softness, and the vintage. During that time, only the free juice is fermenting. So that's when we start to observe and measure the fermentation activity. After a few weeks, we will press. And when we press those grapes, they have not been fermented at all yet. So all the sugar is there, like at the beginning. If you drink the first juice after the press, it's grape juice, but with some aromas of wine by the extraction and some color really red, which is not the case of the gamay. If you press it the first day, it will be white. So usually then we blend the free juice to the pressed juice to make the fermentation restarting. It's like if each cuve have its own pied cuve to make her fermenting but the microscope for example was really helpful to check if the dynamic of that free juice is nice to let the dynamic ferment all the vat imagine if you have some bacteria that you don't want acetic bacteria or malolactic bacteria who have started an activity you don't want to contaminate the other part of the vat with them so the microscope can be really helpful to know where you go. If you don't want to use sulfites to kill those bacteria, it can be helpful to know if you have some bacteria or not.
0: So at what point do you use the microscope? Because you said that there is a the free-run juice, that it's released by the weight of the berries. After a couple of days, do you already introduce the microscope to look at this
1: juice? By the beginning, the day after the valley is full, we start to do observation, taking a few pictures to measure the apparition of the east and then to really check a dynamic. With science, what is the best is to do analysis often to see where it goes. If you do just a few pictures on a QV, it will not give you enough information to take a good decision. This is the kind of information that the microscope gives to a winemaker. My father was using that sentence about the microscope that I uh, like. It's like if you are on a path on the night and you have a light, will show you that you have three way to take. Don't tell you which one is the good one. It just show you how many way you have in front of you. So it's not a magic tool who have all the answer that you expect It's just give you information enough to take a decision.
0: So basically, as soon as you have some free-run juice, you use the microscope every single day?
1: Yeah, as often as uh, possible. And also, if we see that we have a risky cuvee, we will be more concentrated on her and making enough analysis and check as needed, in fact. Sometimes there is some cuvee that you trust because after a few weeks of observing, here. you see that the dynamic is nice and sometimes not. So then the microscope is really more useful because uh, you can see in your proceed if the moves you made are helpful or not for the dynamic of the QV. It can be, for example, blending a juice which is dynamic with nice yeast with one which is not that dynamic and need some helps.
0: Could we go into what you actually see in the microscope? What are the different scenarios and what do you do under each scenario when you do the observation?
1: The first scenario can be nice. We see that after a few days of maceration, we already have some cerevisiae saccharomyces species developing, taking the control of the area. You have to imagine the East as gang who fight to control the city. When one is in place, you cannot get the other one get in that easily. They have the space and they keep it. So it's a question of concurrency between those microorganisms. When everything is well, you see reproducing your saccharomyces cerevisiae. They can be several million per liter on the highest points. And then you will see them starting to die because they die because of the alcohol they produce. And slowing their activity until they finish the few last grams of sugar. But when they slower their activity, this is where you have to pay attention because that's where the other yeast bacteria can get in and start to do a job you don't want.
0: At what point do you need to be more careful at how many grams of sugar that's left or at what density should you pay more attention?
1: Depending of the dynamics, it's close to the end. 30 grams of sugar left is an important point because that's where the cuvee can stop or having a strong dynamic. This is usually where at the winery we put the wines in barrels because the oxygen of putting the wine in barrel will help the yeast to reproduce. They like oxygen and the bacteria like the malolactic bacteria that we don't want at this stage don't like oxygen. So it's supposed to slower them a little bit. So by simple move like that, but done at the good moment by a picky way, you will really participate to help a dynamic or not. You can do a batonnage for the yeast who get down by their weight to get up and being homogeneous into the liquid. You can refresh the atmosphere of your cellar, which will make the yeast less efficient, but it can stop the bacteria. So by slowering the activity, you can master better. Blend it with one which is more efficient. We can use some lees of nice cuvee to help the other one. You can do nothing sometimes. It's an emergency to do nothing. At the end, if all those solutions don't work, you still have the enology. That's why not using medicine when a wine is not sick is better because people who use sulfates too soon and systematically finally select the most dangerous species of bacteria, and then when the attack starts, they have less efficiency in using enology and the microscope can help you at each stage to see if the dynamic was impacted.
0: How do you decide between decreasing the temperature of a cuvee or mixing it with another more healthy fermentation? How do you make those decisions?
1: Sometimes you do the both and everything in depending of the dynamic of the cuvee. If you have a QV who add 10 million yeast per liter and a few day after you see the activity really slowing down because the alcohol potential is high, for example. So you will select the most resistant one and your pH is low. So the bacteria feel easy and get into the matrix. It can be wise to use several moves in the same times to keep the dynamic you have three, four grams of sugar left and just refreshing a little bit will be nice to finish and not touching the wine because you don't want to oxidate or to move or you want to let it in alvage already just to help it to finish. So depending the number of grams of sugar left and the dynamic of the cuvee, I mean, after this is finally the winemaker style to be more intense on the move or not that much.
0: So in the instance when you decrease the temperature, what temperature are we talking about? And what does the decrease in temperature do?
1: Okay, if you have a juice at 20 degrees, starting to have a malolactic with some sugar left and you don't want it, the bacteria will feel easy. If you get down slowly to 13 degrees, not in one time because it will be too hard for the yeast, you will stop the bacteria. I would say at 12 degrees, the bacteria are not really dangerous. That was part of the works of Chauvet, who, for example, showed that.
0: So is 13 the lowest degree that you'll ever go?
1: No, we have get down to sometimes 8, 9 degrees.
0: So in what cases would you decrease the temperature even lower?
1: When the bacteria are more resistant, because some families sometimes, you see at 12, don't completely sleep. And if you want to restop them, so you go one more degrees until you saw by the microscope and by the analysis that the volatile is stopped. is not growing up and that the sugar will still be eating by the yeast and the work will be finished by the yeast. Then I don't think that you can go lower. Too
0: cold, yeah. And... If all these different methods that you mentioned you tried and they don't work, then you add the sulfur. And how do you determine how much sulfur to put?
1: This is the last move to do, of course. But before, I mean, in 99% of the case, in my experience, you don't need it.
0: And if you do need it, how do you decide how much sulfur to put in?
1: Because that we don't have used sulfur before, only two grams per hectoliter, depending of the acidity of the catch. This is the information you need to know your sulfur level. I mean, an acid wine, don't need a lot of sulfates for them to be efficient. A more basic wine will need a little bit more to have that efficient against the microorganism. So two grams of sulfates will work, for sure, because the bacteria didn't sow no sulfites yet, so it will be really uh, damageful for them.
0: Okay. And if you wanted to invest in this microscope per let's say, what kind is it and how much does it cost?
1: It's the same microscope that hospitals use to count the blood platelets. okay. Exactly the same one, because the yeast are the same size. So now good one, I think that for five thousand euro you've got a really modern, nice, ready to use, ready to plug on your computer microscope. And the cheapest one, maybe around 3000 So for the information they give you and the price of a lab, it's not that expensive to learn to use it by yourself.
0: Do these things look very different? The Saccharomyces versus the other yeast and brett and bacteria, do they all look very different? Some look like small circles, some look like little cucumbers. They look very different?
1: Exactly. This is finally... What is to master the microscope is to recognize them and know the different morphology they have. But for example, the one we love, the Saccharomyces, when they have some bud, so they multiply, they look like the Mickey Mouse head. Mickey Mouse. With a perfect cycle and two little ears, wrong, like to bud. So that really easy to recognize when you see a, with a Mickey Mouse, it's a good sign. And at the opposite, the Bretanomyces, they like cucumber who doing a star with different branches, so they are more geometric. On the corner, they are really square. They are not round because there is some yeast who look like bretonomyces, but they have some tiny differences. You've got uh, the big yeast with not really precise round form. More, They look like potatoes. This is the schizo saccharomyces. They are bigger. When they divide, they have little bowl inside, like a pea, when it's ripened and ready to be cooked. So yeah, really different morphology. And I was saying the bacteria are really smaller, 20, 30 times smaller than the yeast. So at the eyes, you see just a little point, then two points, then they multiply by four, eight, 16, and after you see a chain of bacteria.
0: Wow, that's interesting.
1: This is showing you that your malolactic is already started and you should be careful if you don't want it.
0: So Michelle was telling me, I think there's a group in Beaujolais called Le Microscope, where they gather in the cellar of Domaine Lacha to observe their fermentations and obviously probably drink some wine at the same time. And are there other groups in Beaujolais?
1: There is one group still existing at the winery Lachaise, one group at Domaine Chamonard. I know that in South Beaujolais, a few winemakers join together, buy a microscope together to make a group also. So now in Beaujolais, you can find a few group dynamics, sharing information, drinks, of course, and good time. But also trying to share their experiences of their own cuvee, which is the most important dynamic and in philosophy in, in that is we can involve.
0: And when they meet, do they actually have to hire a microbiologist or does someone in the group already know how to see the pictures from the microscope?
1: No, in Beaujolais, we are just a few. René Boisson still doing it at the domaine Chamonard, for example. With us, sometimes I do it, my sister a little bit. What is shameful is that in winemaking school, there is no time for the young apprentice to learn to use a microscope.
0: Yeah, that would seem like it's a super useful class. Why do they not teach that?
1: Uh, Ask the politic, not me. Yeah, okay.
0: And outside of Beaujolais, do you know other countries or other regions in France?
1: Yeah, in Bordeaux, for example, a few labs use it, of course. But this is most of the time the onologist who use it, not the winemaker. And the way we do it in Beaujolais is particular because we use it, we have invented a way which is called RAW. We take directly some sample into the vat. We don't do no dilution, no coloration, not all the operations that scientists have time to do, and we watch them directly. It's like watching with your eyes and having a superpower to see what's in your vat in a x X time. But really efficient also if you know how to master it. I will send you some pictures because it's more explicit sometimes than what to watch it directly it will be enough for people to understand a little bit what it is, because it's not a big thing to master. It's only practicing.
0: Right. And to have experience. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Mathieu. I really appreciate it. I learned so much and I really appreciate your time.
1: Thank you. It was a pleasure. Ciao.
0: Thank you so much for listening. If you have any comments, suggestions for topics or interviewees, Please reach out on Instagram at Ungrafted Podcast or on our website at UngraftedPodcast.com.